Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Every once in a blue moon, somebody will come up to me and ask me, hey, man, I want to do a podcast. I, you've been podcasting for years. How do I get started? What kind of equipment do I need to get to use? Where, where do I get my podcast but, you know, uh, sponsored? How do I get it hosted, man? And the answer is really simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now reading this ad. So it's so simple, guys. If you want to get started, if you want to do your podcast and make money doing it, go to anchor.fm forward slash start. That's anchor.fm forward slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm forward slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. What's up, party people? All right, at the top of the show, I just thought I'd put this out there. Uh, <clears throat> give us money. No. Um, this is something that uh, if, you'll, if you've known anything about me or follow us on Facebook or on Twitter is that I've been planning, uh, Jenny and I have been planning to move to Colorado at the end of this month, and uh, we're trying to scrounge together every penny that we can. And if you are a fan of the show or you just want to help out, one of the ways you could help out is by clicking on or going to thedisjointedpodcast.com and clicking on our Amazon banner before you do any of your shopping on Amazon. Every time you do that, Amazon's goodly enough to give us a few coins on the way back, and it really helps out. And I figure this way, everybody gets a little something that they want. Obviously, you're shopping online anyways, and doing this by clearing clearing your cookies, I guess that's important, and then going to thedestroyedpodcast.com, clicking on the Amazon banner before you do your shopping, or just shop as normal after that, everybody, everybody gets a hand in that. So... Uh, I guess that is it for the plugs. Uh, you can also, if you don't know, you can follow me on Twitter at Disjointed Films or just look us up on Facebook at The Disjointed Podcast uh, with David Germain. Or, you know what, you already listen to this. We're on Stitcher, we're on iTunes. Do us a favor, if you like the podcast, please like our page on Facebook or subscribe to us via Stitcher or iTunes or what the hell, why not both? Uh, all these things really help out because it just shows that we get li- listenership. And obviously, the more listeners, uh, the more people talk about it, the more the show grows. And I guess that's it. And without any further ado, on to the podcast. Welcome back once again to the to the Disjointed Podcast with your host, Dave Germain. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, I'll give you a quick rundown what what this podcast is about. It's about folks who live a 9-to-5 life and they're trying to get to one of creativity. So meaning as if, you know what, I've been working at the same job for the past 10 years. It's made a living, uh, made me a decent living, but thing is, I know I want something more with this life. I know I could do something more with this life. So how do you go about losing 
or stepping away from that security and moving towards one of being a painter or an actor or whatever it is you want. Maybe you don't, maybe it's not even creative. Maybe it's something like, uh, I don't know, you want to be a hot rod auto mechanic or something like that. Any of that stuff, all of that stuff, it kind of comes from the same place, but that's what it's about because that's a scary step, especially uh, if most of you know, the older you get, the harder it is to make a big change. So this week, Rather than having uh, one of the other uh, one of the guests that we've had from our past and stuff, I wanted to talk a little bit, and this is going to sound very egotistical. Uh, I want to talk about me for a bit. So what it is is because I th- I feel it's kind of a kind of a lame thing if I keep talking about yeah this is what we got to do this is what we got to do, but I don't actually make any of those changes myself. I didn't want to be somebody who just talks about making a start. I actually want this podcast to show some type of progression from a beginning to a middle and hopefully continue on for many years to uh, before it ends, goes to an end or it evolves into something else. Basically, I don't want to keep talking about the same thing over and over again. Otherwise, because I feel like the only thing, if all you do is make a new start every so often, then your mind kind of gets used to just making starts, not actually following through. So I'm about to make a pretty big change in my life. Uh, I talk a lot about baby steps. This one I'm planning on doing is not a baby step. It's a big step. And that is moving from where I live right now in Tempe, Arizona to Denver, Colorado. And I thought the best person to to have here on the podcast with me is somebody who's going to be taking this trip with me, uh, taking this big, massive risk. And that is none other than my sweetie, Jenny Edmonds. Say hello to everybody, Jenny. Jenny Edmonds. Walls. Many things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, (laughs) depends when you knew me. How many? Yeah. Mm. So meeting that, uh, let's see, you have been, you've been married twice. Yeah. Okay, hence all the last names. She doesn't like just like picking up last names for a random thing. Or that maybe that is. Maybe that's just, that's your thing. I just use the marriage as an excuse. Yeah, exactly. Like, like hey, maybe I want that last name. Or you're an marriage. international jewel thief and you're trying to cover your tracks. Could be. Uh, eh, never rule anything out. I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, it's a new year. It's a brand new year. I hear, always hear everybody like, oh my God, I got a new year's resolution. I'm going to make so many changes. Everything's going to be, it's going to be super. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait. I made one resolution that I've kept for over 15 years, and that was to not make any more new year's resolutions. <laughs> Right, and I'll be honest with you, that really has not worked out well for me. <laughs> I, I really, I, I probably should have made some resolutions many years ago. Like, I'm going to get my diet in order. I'm going to try to stop smoking. I'm going to, I'm going to advance my career. I'm going to try to change something about my existence so I stop bitching about the same thing year after year. And uh, it, it didn't work out well for me. I don't really feel like, like especially this year, that there was a need for. Like a big resolution or, I mean, like we have so many things coming up that it doesn't, it, besides trying to stay up till midnight, it didn't really feel any <laughs> different. <laughs> yeah, but, that's what happens when you get older, folks. <laughs> if it was anybody of the youngsters listening, they're like, eh, stay up till midnight. You know what happens? Nothing. That's what happened. But, but I mean, I think it, we've done some sort of resolution type things all throughout this last year. Oh, totally, yeah. But I think there's a... I've always kind of shied away from trying to make a celebration out of trying to make a difference. Yeah. And I think the reason for that is because, obviously, I was afraid of failing. 
I was afraid of giving up. I've given up on so many things in my existence that uh, it. you would think that I would have gotten used to it by now, but it still sucks every single time that I let something go. And it gnaws at me if I don't finish something. Like Sneaker Guy, Episode 2, I've had this thing in my head for a while now. Still haven't gotten around to actually filming it. But uh, that's something that needs to change. You know, that's something I'm going to resolve to. Like, I am going to finish that project. Anybody who's ever seen Sneaker Guy Episode 1, and you can look at it on my YouTube page, uh, you'll see they always go, wow, where's Episode 2 coming? And I've heard that for so long, and I'm actually ashamed when people watch it now because there's no Episode 2. So uh, that's something that I'm going to change. But you talk about that we've had, uh, we've made a lot of changes throughout this past year. And this... uh, I feel like I'm finally coming to an end of this transitional phase of my existence, uh, meaning that before I was a restaurant manager, I had worked 50, 55 hours a week. Actually, that's kind of bullshit. I worked 47 to 52 hours a week because I always found a way to ch- uh, check out early. <laughs> but I, I carry like the weight uh, of of my staff on my shoulders, even though nobody asked me to do this whatsoever. But I always felt like if I fucked up in my job, then they're not going to be able to pay their bills. So I kept, I kind of kept that weight of the world on my shoulders. And I think the reason why I did that is it made it a lot easier to not do things like go do an open mic or not to advance my career or to take a chance on anything. So that, that was an issue with that. So Jenny met me. We've been together for over two years now. Yeah, like October-ish was two years. Mm-hmm. This is we one don't things... know an actual date, exactly. so it's okay. It's we... one of the reasons why I love this woman so much, because she doesn't put a big, massive emphasis on dates. All I got to do is remember her birthday, and then we'll be all which, set. Which, what's it again? That's March 18th. Oh, you got it this time. Yes, exactly. So, uh, now, uh, the biggest, the, one of the biggest like physical challenges that I had from moving away from my job was that I had the security of a paycheck that's coming in. And it was really, really rough because I start, I try to work uh, another job while starting a business. The business didn't pan out or just, I, I really suck at doing cold sales and it was very difficult for me. And the, the money started, uh, wasn't so great at the jobs that I had gotten after the, uh, after the management position. So slowly but surely I started to put bit, uh, pieces of my gear uh, of uh, like my guitars and my amps and stuff and Hawk. And I started, I started to go broke. I started to lose my, my, all, you know, my little possessions and stuff. And I got behind on my bills. And then I had a cat jump on my lap when I'm trying to do a podcast. And then, uh, it was really, really rough, but we've found a way, you know, actually with Jenny's support to kind of get all of that stuff back and to keep working, you know, now I, I still do the things that I want to do and I spend even more time with my income job, uh, than I did when I was managing. So I'm like, okay, I think it's time that I can actually start moving back <laughs> where maybe I can make a smarter decision as far as income, you know, and anyway, I was getting off, uh, off the topic here point is, is that that was a rough transition and I started bit by bit over this past year, uh, to really, really make a dent of that. This podcast was a big thing, which you're listening to right now. Maybe. This is, and Jenny, Maybe you're listening. What? are you listening? There's a couple of people listening. I think, I think there's at least be five. That's what I'm thinking. What our listener, <laughs> the looking like, Ooh, new podcast. Wait. All right. I don't know if I can, I'll go back. He's starting to just talk about himself. 
I'm never mind. I'm not going to say what I was going to say. Yeah. Well, yeah. Usually, go ahead. Say. It. You talk about yourself in all your podcasts. Yeah, that's true. I'm <laughs> not saying that's bad. No, I mean, let's be honest. I really dig me, but like. <laughs> Sometimes I, I'm trying to be more aware of it, so that way I can actually focus on uh, the guests. But this week it's about resolutions and about moving forward. So, well, and kind of a review of all the changes of the last year. Yeah, this. Like, I mean, I've changed jobs and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you went through a massive thing. Like there, Jenny was working at um, a well, place. At a place, I won't say uh, we won't say the name of it, but we'll say that the owner was a selfish prick who doesn't deserve to be called an American. Yeah. <laughs> Now that's he's well, dramatic. No, no, I'm not. The guy doesn't want to take care of his workers, the people that make uh, make him money. He doesn't want to obey any laws as it comes to uh, like American Disabilities Act. He's an asshole, and I, I honestly, I wish the very worst for him. Now, and I say that because I also I saw the shit that you went through, and it was very, very, very difficult. I met the guy once, and he wants to be Mister Badass and stuff like. I don't know who the fuck you are. Get out of my office. I'm like, all right, dick. I'll just wait right outside. <laughs> Uh, no, I just that's one of the reasons why I also wanted to leave Arizona is because obviously the human commodity is not very is not valued very highly here. Now, uh, but that job that you had, I worked there for six and a half years. For which six is and the half, longest, like three times over the longest I'd ever been at a job. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was something that you thought you were going to be at for a long time too. Yeah, I saw myself there the first few years I saw myself there indefinitely I mm-hmm. mean I moved between departments and I kind of did anything and everything that was asked and and then I got sick uh with fibromyalgia and arthritis crap and like it took a huge toll on how much I was able to work and um which they obviously didn't give a shit about they still kept trying to schedule for over 40 hours a week and yeah that it's yeah by the way, I wanted to go off a little tangent here. I know there's a lot of folks in Arizona and they get a job and like, oh, there's plenty of overtime available. Overtime, when it comes from, and I say this because I used to run businesses, overtime is a way to not spend money on new employees because you don't want to pay the benefits. So in return, what you do is you work the shit out of the employees that you do have. They get used to that money. Once they get used to that overtime, that five or six hours a week, they will scramble when you go back to when you put them back to forty, and they will be willing to do anything that you want. It's a manipulation tool, and it's bullshit. But like the people that I worked with there, and I adore almost everyone there mm-hmm. that I worked with. I feel horrible for them because we're not talking about five to six hours of overtime. Mm-hmm. We're talking like fifteen to twenty a week for a lot of these people. Every week, sometimes every weekend, mm-hmm. and you can just you know over the six years that I knew all these people, you could just see, like, a breakdown coming. Right, totally. And that's, I think it's one of those things that really leads to depression, and I know that's that's what led me to be really disenfranchised with everything and every company that I had worked for, you know, and uh, for me it wasn't as bad as what you went through, it's just that I knew that got to the point that I try to enforce company policy on some of the employees that my the HR department didn't want to back me up, and they could have been in the right. I don't know, man. I've, there's times I'm an asshole. I'm not always the greatest boss, but the whole thing was is that I kind of realized that my job wasn't to try to enforce company policy. It was to make sure that 
they didn't hear about or nothing got so bad that they had to get involved with anything, mm-hmm. you know. And as long as I kept everything quiet, you know, and just, just said yes all the time, then everything would be fine. And that's just not me as a person, you know. It's I wasn't happy and I hated my life. And as a result, I started taking it out on people that were around me, mainly my employees or my coworkers. So you were at this job. And I remember how difficult for for me. I got to the point in my life because I had just I was coming out of a divorce, and the one thing that I was kind of I was proud about myself is that if I was in a miserable situation, I would do something to remove myself from that situation. I would try to fix it, would do whatever I could, and then eventually it's like, all right, there's nothing left here to be done, you know, and I'm I'm gonna go. But that was me. I knew it was very difficult because I thought that maybe this is a job you probably would have left a little bit sooner, but you really try to make it work for as long as you could. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I tried hard. I had invested a lot in, you know, tears and exhaustion and just, you know, when you invest a lot of yourself in a company and then nothing's uh, nothing's appreciated, that it just is really difficult. But And it was really difficult to walk away from uh, like, you know, a stable income mm-hmm. and I made decent amount of money. And, uh, what if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission at us customs and border protection. We go beyond to protect more than borders from ship to shore, air to ground cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Benefits and things like that. So I think this year I've probably made like less than when I was like 18 because I've worked so many jobs and, you know, tried to make enough to get by. I think this year is probably, it's not, it's not bad. Like I think we live better on less money. I'm definitely happier on less money. Yeah. You know, I mean, granted it would be nice to go out a little more often uh, than we do, you know, and it would be nice to not worry as much about some of the bills as we do. Yeah. But, I am definitely happier than I was. I, I've not to not that I'm all about material possessions and stuff. There are some possessions that I have that I'm very fond of, but like the quality of let's put it this way: I still had a TV and an Xbox and guitars and amps and a computer before uh, even when you know when I was a manager and I had that security, you know. And uh, there were this is you know before that me and Jenny got together. There were still uh, there were still relationships in my life, but I was freaking miserable. I still wasn't able to find that stuff. It it was amazing. I'm not saying that if you dump your all of your security and uh, your money and stuff that you're suddenly going to find happiness. 
uh, or everything's going to be better. No, everything's going to get rough when you throw away a lot of that money. It's going to suck. But I found a form like bits in my life, uh, happiness in my life that I didn't realize were there that I, that I became more appreciative of that didn't require anything that I got from that security job. Yeah. You know, and like, I'm, I'm happy, uh, sitting at home when we're watching a comedy together, even though there's a lot of things that I think you and I find funny together, but there's some things that I found absolutely hilarious that Jenny does not find funny. And you're like, yeah, okay. It's kind of like the three stooges syndrome. Like guys love the Three Stooges, but most girl, most gals just absolutely don't get it. Even the ones that said that they do, they still really don't. But, but then I'm extremely fond of like jokes that five year olds tell and yeah. are absolutely <laughs> hilarious. And I'll repeat them to everyone. I'll get a text in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> like, "Hey, why did the chicken cross the road?" I'm like, eh. no, they're never that lame. Um, oh. Um, how many tickles does it take to make an octopus laugh? I don't know. How many tickles does it take to make an octopus laugh? Ten tickles. Get it? <laughs> Ten tickles. That's what I live with, <laughs> folks. <laughs> My nephew told me that one. So you were near the job, and then you left the job, and it was pretty rough for, for a couple of months. And I know that you were feeling really depressed and i know that feeling especially it's kind of like i used to be able to do all these things and i can't do them now and it and it fucking blows uh but you found found some work and it's kind of like we're still in that process of kind of climbing out of it we both are to a certain extent i think yeah i mean i well and one of the financial type steps uh that i've been trying to do for years that is odd that i finally did once i didn't have a job uh, was I, I filed bankruptcy mm-hmm. and took care of some things that had been, you know, lurking around for a decade or whatever. Mm-hmm. So some of that took a load off. I got rid of my car mm-hmm. and then it made it a little bit easier to survive on, you know, part-time, part-time work. So that's basically what I do now. It's same, same industry as what I worked in, but I work from home mm-hmm. and, uh, pretty cool yeah i mean it's uh it's kind of interesting to thinking like oh wow there wasn't when you think there's no security net ready to catch you it's you just i don't know somehow you know uh found a way yeah you know well and and that's all i wanted to do at my old job was work at home yeah and i was good at it from home Mm -hmm. but apparently there was an issue so yeah that was the weirdest thing that's that's the case of and uh, you know honestly as far as your old boss goes i don't know the guy personally he probably deep down is a really good good person or maybe he thinks he is but what he did was absolutely fucking asinine and stupid like all all the problems and everything that that had that had gone on could have been solved if he would have just let you do what he already lets a couple of other employees do and that was telecommute from home yeah a lot That's of it, employees. but apparently he the the thought of you going you know working from home he thought was going to be a bad he just didn't want to do it and didn't want anybody telling him from the government how he could run his business. <laughs> me, 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 well, me, and and now I work for a competitor, very small. I mean, you know, we're not a threat or anything, but um, it's just interesting. It's like thanks for training me. I'm going to work for someone else. <laughs> yeah, no. industry. 
I know it sounds pretty messed up, but I hope somebody in his household develops a serious coke habit or gambling issue and freaking completely bankrupts this dude. It's going to happen at some point. I think Dave has a lot more resentment towards this guy than I do. I really don't care I hate anymore. bullies. Yeah. I really, really hate bullies. And it's one of those things where, man, like, you know what? This life is bad enough as it is. Everybody, we're all trying to freaking struggle to at least to make a living. There's no reason to make it harder on somebody if you if there if there's absolutely no reason to do it to to try to fuck somebody over in order for you to get ahead, then when somebody keeps doing that, it's like what why that's coming from someplace else. That's coming from an issue that that person has not dealt with, and they're taking it out on the rest of the world. They're a burden to the rest of the society, and they need to be removed like a cancer. So. That's uh, obviously, let me get that's off my soapbox. That's just too much again. energy for me to be angry about it anymore. Yeah, but that's what my family lives on. We can't wait. <laughs> We're like, oh my God, is there a reason we can lay into somebody? You know, righteous anger is really, really unhealthy, by the way. But it, like, uh, it's kind of like a free pass to completely hurt somebody who deserves to be hurt. And that's a horrible, horrible thing to feel. And I admit that, and I've come to accept that. And But I also have to acknowledge that that feeling is there. Otherwise, it just it keeps bubbling them up, and then I'll take it out on somebody who doesn't deserve it. I will then turn into a bully. So now we've uh, we've come to finally have a fairly comfortable uh, standard of living uh, as we've had over the past year. It hasn't been the most luxur- uh, luxurious, but uh i could say that you know it hasn't gone down any <laughs> honestly there were times when we had a hard time of uh affording food yeah we really did and now you know i still try to be pretty careful but we we spend a little bit more in food than we used to yeah, not we much better food than we, we used eat to. much better food mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean it's not as uh desperate hopefully it will stay that way uh with the whole move yeah <laughs> Which that kind of brings us. Uh, actually, I want to keep going a little bit further. So we, we had, we got to a comfortable level of uh, of existence. We figured out how to balance things, like as far as our budget, what we're going to spend money on, things like that. Uh, food that was our diet was a big thing, which uh, I still need to work on that a lot. There's a I got a bit. I still have an issue. That's my resolution to actually confront this need for to always always have instant gratification anytime that I eat anything. You know, like I want something that tastes great all the time and I don't care about what effect it has on my body. This year, I'm going to try to make sure that I start paying attention to what that effect is on my body. So I stop beating the shit out of my own liver, you know. Uh, We start, uh, this podcast was a big thing that started. Like the job that I had, even though I don't really care for driving a taxi, it's not like I'm passionate about it. It's not like I really love doing it. But it's something I'm relatively good at, kind of like our managing management. But what it did is it allowed me uh, time to listen to a shitload of podcasts, you know, because I'm on the road by myself for most of the period of time. So uh, it started with Kevin Smith's podcast with Smodcast, right? And then I started listening to Tell Him Steve Dave, and that dropped off for a little bit. But I remember when Joe Rogan was on Kevin Smith's podcast, and then I started listening to Joe Rogan's podcast. And then I heard about Mark Maron's, and I started listening to Mark Maron's podcast, which I all those I absolutely love. And then there was the Crab Feast, there's Stone Cold Steve Austin's podcast, there's Danny Gould's podcast. There's a shitload of things that I listen to throughout the week. So I kept having this massive in-stream of all these entertainers, these conversations between entertainers and 
and politics and science and just philosophy and just people having a good time. And it was just rattling into my brain for a good 60, 70 hours a week. And eventually I thought, you know what? I want to start a podcast. And that's obviously what you're listening to right now. And what what I found is I'm like, all right, I'm going to just do this and see if anybody cares to even listen. So I asked for a couple of friends, you know, people that I had acquaintances with, some people who were close to me to like, hey, do you want to be on this show? This is what the premise is about. And slowly but surely, folks started to listen. Now, something happened. I don't know if I told you this. When I was out in uh, the last open mic I did at Stand Up Scottsdale, uh, somebody came up to me, another young comedian who I didn't, I didn't quite know. I've seen him around. I haven't actually talked with him, but he was, he was like, dude, I listened to your podcast. It was really good. I'm like, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. I've actually been on like national TV. Nobody recognized me, but this dude recognized me from a podcast and only about 30, 40 people listen to a week if I'm lucky. And that was an awesome feeling. And I'm like, wow, I, I've actually made some movement. I've actually made some progress in this life. You know, like we were talking yesterday, it's funny, like when you're walking and you don't really want to walk to a destination and your feet hurt, your legs hurt, and you just keep looking at where you need to go and it's like a mile down the road, but you keep on going and you're like, oh, this is going to take forever. I probably haven't made any progress, but you look behind you after a while and you realize that, you know what, you've actually already walked three quarters of the distance. You've actually made some progress. It just didn't look like it, and it didn't feel like it. it didn't mean it didn't happen. That's kind of what I felt uh, what's happened with this podcast over the past year. Like, it's been over 30, what, I think this is 30, uh, episode 30. I thought there were more. Eh, I don't know. I don't know. I ought to, you know, pay more attention to this I stuff. I don't know. Usually when I'm home, I feel like there's been a lot more of, I'm going to lock myself <laughs> in the room with the pets and try to, you know, read or something you've been really really uh helpful with that and then you're you've been really helpful when you just leave it helps a lot <laughs> you know what that's not untrue and this is why i, I want to say this is because i've had many many relationships in my life some of them were pretty good most of them were kind of nuts because i was really nuts and one of the things that i always found like was what i accepted to be a common denominator foolishly was that uh girls or the women in my life always said that they wanted they were going to be supportive that they were supportive and they really wanted me to to accomplish something thing is is that when an artist tries to make a change in their life and they try to advance their career those around them some of the folks have a tendency to panic because they think there's not going to be space for them in their life once they've advanced their career and they stop being supportive or they might even sabotage to a certain extent it might not be from like pouring water on a laptop or it could be about saying something really shitty right before you're about to go out and now the only thing that's going to be on their mind when they go out to whether do an open mic or whatever is the shitty thing that that person just said as they were leaving you know, I've had instances in relationships where uh, I was going to go and try something, was going to go out on a limb, do an audition, and I get a text, or uh, they call up and they just throw a monkey wrench, you know, where it's almost like, are they, they going to start a fight, or are they going to be like, I need to talk to you. It's uh, If it has to wait, I guess it has to wait. And now that's on my mind when I'm trying to go and do a performance, and it was, it was a horrible feeling. So I became... I, started to do two things. One, distrust women or have resentment because I didn't think they were actually going to be supportive. And, you know, the whole thing from the artist's point of view, like, if you're not going to help me, then fuck off. I don't give a shit. 
or I just stopped trying. I stopped making an effort because I thought I could either have a relationship or I could have a career, but I cannot have both. And I ended up resenting myself and everybody around me because of that. So, and I tell the, I've told the story to a couple of the comedians and I don't think they believe me, but there was, uh, I was going to go do an audition. It was in downtown Phoenix for, it was a part I didn't get, but, uh, if anybody, if you listen to the previous episode with Marlon Hargrave about acting, you see how much, how, how passionate Marlon is about, uh, what he goes through when he prepares for a role. And it's a lot of stuff. Anybody who's been professionally trained, knows that there's a lot of preparation work that goes into it before you go to an audition. And uh, you don't want any distractions. Like, you know, we for the most part, me and Marlon, we had a big chunk of our training in the same place. He went on and actually continued. I didn't, but uh, it could be really, really intense. And I don't want any distraction because I start getting really snappy, you know, because all I want to think about is the moment before I walk on stage and what's going to happen. And we were in the car and I was getting, I was being a dick, you know, because I'm trying to focus on the audition. I want to try to, you know, this is a, this is very, very important to me. For an actor, that audition or that show that they're in the day before, the hour before, uh, whatever, whatever time their prep time starts, that is the only thing that exists and everything else in the world does not. Friends, family, it's really, really, it's an asshole thing to do, but you have to focus on the show. So I'm just being a dick, and I'm getting more agitated, but I also have a tendency to not to want to rock the boat and just try to internalize everything so I don't upset those around me that I care about. Jenny was nice enough to say, like, should I just stop talking to you because you're being an asshole right now? And our relationship, was uh, the level of trust was enough that I knew that I could be honest with you and say, yeah. Can you please stop talking? I need to focus on this. Because I knew for once I had somebody in my life who actually understood what it is that I was trying to do and actually support. Like, not just said that she was going to be supportive, but really, really, really is supportive. And, that, and I didn't say it like. Well, she wasn't, so, you weren't holding a knife to my throat and be like, no, you're being no, an asshole. It's just there's so many girls that they make it so hard for the rest of us because they'll say. They'll say things and mean something else. And I I used to do that. I really did. Mm-hmm. With my first marriage. Like, it was, you know, I learned a lot from that. Uh, smack somebody around a few times. They learned. Yeah. No, that's not what it was. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't like a statement to start something. It was just like, hey, seriously, like, do you just need me to? Right. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And that's that was something that. And I think that's something a lot of folks do. I think I was, uh, you know, I'm responsible for doing that myself or saying something like it didn't bother me, but it really actually did, you know. Uh, so I was able to recognize that as like an, a, a sincere form of communication where you're like, hey, you know, this is what's going on. This is how I'm perceiving reality right now. And it's this. And like, what is it, you know, what is it that you need? And either, either way, that, that helped out a whole lot. And that helped out a lot, same with the podcast, where I think there was, not that I'm going to, you know, start picking out, well, this is really unfair anyways, but I'll say it anyways. Like, if, if, I, if, if I were to put somebody else from another relationship in the same position where I'm trying to do a podcast, 
they would be pissed off because there would be people over at the house that they don't know, and they would have a lot of anxiety over it. And as a result, they pro I would more than likely, if I stayed with that person, I would just stop doing the podcast. You know, at least the me, the old me would have, the new me would have said, "All right, probably not a good idea." <laughs> There's problems with these relationships, and I actually would have addressed it. But, uh, but just the fact that you know, like uh, Stu gets really excited when people are over, and he barks a lot, you know, because he's a dog. It's what he does. Uh, so you've always been nice enough to kind of you know take care of the animals, put them in the room, and keep them quiet and stuff while I was able to get an, uh, you know record an episode or two. Mm-hmm. You know, so. That that helps a whole lot, you know. Well, and, especially when we first got together, like I didn't understand the whole, you know, you because there were a couple auditions or performances you did, and uh, I was just like, you know, let me know what you need from me because I don't know how any of this works. So, no. um, and then like you're holding with the creative writing that you were doing every morning, like you you let me know, hey, I need it, you know, quiet. I need to do this, so. Mm-hmm. I knew, you know, what you needed, so. That helps. It's kind of like, for those of you who don't understand, there's a scene in The Shining where Jack Nicholson, as he's going nuts, and he's trying to work even though he's not actually working, all he's doing is writing, you know, all work and no play makes Jack a dull dull boy. But there's a scene where he's like, hey, do you hear when when you hear this? And he's clicking on the typewriter. He's basically saying, leave me the fuck alone. If you can hear this, don't fucking talk to me, right? And it's kind of funny because anybody who's trying to focus, whether it was on painting or writing and stuff, now granted, they might not react that way. But I'm sure they felt that way where it's kind of like you're trying to focus, you're trying to do something, and then it's like somebody comes in and it's like, boom, just throws a monkey wrench in there. And Jenny, from the get-go, you're somebody who's never done that, you know? And um, But I think it also, a lot of it was, is that over this past year, I learned how to set better boundaries, you know? It's kind of like, it makes no sense to draw, like the proverbial line in the sand. Like, if you cross this line, this is what my reaction's going to be. Now, if you don't tell anybody that you're drawing a line in the sand, <laughs> that, hey, this is like, this is a, something that I need. I need this space. I need that. And yet, you don't tell anybody that line's there, and then they end up crossing it, and you get pissed off. Like, or I would get, uh, if I got pissed off, then who's to blame, really? I'm like, I'm not telling people in my life what it is that I need, you know, and it's, uh, it's the little baby steps like that that really, really, it kind of helps foster an environment to actually grow and step out of a world whether you settle for versus a world that you want. And I, I mentioned that because a lot of this builds up to what we're doing now is that for many years, actually, since the moment I knew I was getting divorced, I knew I wanted to leave Arizona. Yeah. But people who deal with imp- with impulse behavior or addiction, uh, one of the first rules that you really should pay attention to is that you have a strong tendency to want to leave, to relocate, to leave everything from your life behind so that way you don't actually have to deal with anything. So, you know, let's say uh, there was a lot of issues I had, you know, when, when I got divorced. It was I, w- I wanted so badly to move to a different town so I could be the person who I wanted to be without any of the baggage of everything that happened in Phoenix, Arizona. And you can't really do that. You actually have to, you know, turn around and face yourself, look in the mirror and work on it. So I knew that I needed to, I wanted to be in a better place before I moved, you know, 
And I honestly wasn't counting on being in a relationship when I got to that point. Like I was originally, when you, when we first met, I wanted to move to Portland, Oregon. Because the city, I just fell in love with that city. It's like a happy version of New York. It's actually the best way, like the Pearl District mostly. Like if you made the Upper West Side have a baby with with a village and then made that baby listen to Jack Johnson music for the first five years of its life, that's what Portland, Oregon feels like. And it's awesome and it's amazing. But uh, we talked about uh, you wanted to move. You had an idea to move to Denver. Mm -hmm. And this is something you've been wanting to do for a long time. Yeah. All right. Well, and I, I, like when I was, uh, married the second time, um, we had talked about moving, but you know, my mom was here and he had family here. And so it was kind of like, like I was waiting for my mom and dad to start traveling mm-hmm. so that I didn't really need to be here because right. my mom and I were really close, but she died a couple years ago. And so I kind of felt freed in some ways like hey mm-hmm. i don't have to stay here right you know like i have other family here but um it's just different so and my sister lives in denver it, well denver outside denver right so that was one of the reasons i wanted to move be closer to my niece and nephew like since before they were born <laughs> like 10 years ago now originally because i've spent uh, a little bit of time in denver and i wasn't super super keen on the idea initially I'm like, all right. I mean, it seems like a cool city, but this is the thing. Everybody who's been to Denver always tells me how awesome it is, and I honestly just didn't see it. My my cousin, Jim, which hopefully I'm trying to find a way to convince him to move to Colorado as well. I know he wants to move. Uh, he kept telling me how much he loved that city. Like the moment he ste- he uh, his plane landed when he was in the Army, he knew that he was home. He just felt comfortable there. I'm like, all right. I don't know. So we went up to... Uh, to visit your sister and her family uh, up in Longmont. This was not last Thanksgiving, but the, the the year prior. And we get there, and her sister and her family are super, super awesome. And I always, uh, I, the best way I could describe it is that they they, if their life was a movie, it would be G rated, and which isn't a bad thing. It's uh, you know like. Kids are highly intelligent. They they don't have a TV in their living room. It's a lot of you know family activities and stuff. And it's the stuff that I only read about and saw you know and, and on the TV uh, like and I've only heard about you know it was a completely different type of family environment that I was I am was not used to. Me neither. Yeah, <laughs> my sister and I. My brothers, we didn't grow up in that kind of environment, so no, it's really and that's neat. kind of amazing that they've kind of built that. Where yeah. it's kind of like this is where you know it's really amazing. So there, when they were showing us around uh, different parts of Denver initially, I was like, it's nice because they're showing the parts that they would probably move to, which would be suburbs and things like that, you know. And uh, when they they were showing us around downtown, and downtown seemed kind of cool. Um, we had lunch down there, and then on our way back, you're like, oh, this is this is the, the city hall or the Capitol Hill. This is where all the Occupy protests were happening. I'm like, oh, listen, this isn't the best representation of Denver, but we got to go down Colfax. And I'm <laughs> like, okay, Colfax is basically where a lot of the bars, the tattoo parlors, the hippies, the gay bars, all the alternative stuff of anything in Denver is. And immediately, 
I thought these are my people. And suddenly, it's weird. Everything that I fell in love with Portland, I found in Denver at that moment. And uh, I remember I was talking uh, a couple of months later, uh, somebody I went to school with, uh, a comedian friend of mine, Lisa, uh, she happened to be in town and she was, you know, we were talking, we were chatting a little bit outside of the club. And she's like, if you're going to move anywhere, if you want to stick with comedy, you don't, don't go to Portland. There's no money for you there. Go to Denver. You'll learn how to be a comedian in Denver. Now, granted, that's not saying anything bad about Phoenix because you could still Phoenix before didn't have much of a comedy scene. It has a great comedy scene and I, I see that it's only going to get better now. But if you're going to go, if I figured if I'm going to move to a different city, you know, how about a place so that I can actually grow as a performer? So I'm like, okay, there's all this cool stuff about Denver that I'm really, really digging. Thank you, Lisa, for uh, telling him that because I'm like, score. Yeah. <laughs> now he wants to move to Denver. Right. Great. And so I'm like, oh, okay, so now I'm on board with this. And so we decided, okay, we're going to move to Denver. How we were going to do this, we had no idea. And now eventually what was happening, I kept trying to save money. We did save up a little bit of money. It's still not enough. But we were working towards this goal. And my lease, uh, or our lease for this apartment, actually my lease. Because I still I, am not on it. I still never. <laughs> she has an application, but we're not. Yeah, exactly. I actually paid her the 35 bucks. She just doesn't realize it. And um, it, it was up It was up at the end of December. They were nice enough to let us have another month at the same rate, which was freaking awesome. And you I think appreciate so. It. I don't know. She hasn't said anything. No, even on the, like, because she was putting out like 10 day warnings. Oh, and notices and stuff. Amount. Said the same amount. So that was, that was a very, I was very grateful for her for doing that. Uh, but we knew that it was coming up and I, I had worked to get up to a weekly lease on my cab thing, which means that I still have to keep putting in like another close to $800 every week if I want to keep working. But I kind of thought of it as that's almost like a savings account because I know at the end of this, I'll still have 800 bucks. Then we got to the point where I'm like, all right, listen, we got to set a date when we're going to do this. Like Denver bust. We got it. We got to find a way to get the, do this because I felt in my heart, that the more I didn't want to keep pushing it off too much because then eventually I get used to just, you know, it ends up being just a dream. Yeah. I feel like if we don't do it soon, we're not going to do it. That right. terrifies me. And that's, that's one of those things where I'm like, man, it's already hard enough to want to do this. <laughs> it's going to be even harder, you know, to actually do it. So we said, all right, the end of Jan, first we said end of December. Then we're like, you know what, let's just go for another, for an extra month. Which helps because I have some medical things right. I need to do. So, you know, it seemed to work out and not be too much of an excuse. Exactly. So we're like, all right, the end of January. It gives me some time to make some extra cash. You know, it gives me time to actually look for a job. It's kind of hard to look for a job in a state you don't live in. So all the best I can do, I'm probably going to end up having to find, like, we go back to waiting tables or some type of small job or whatever I could find. And uh, that's fine because I've done it before. Now, this is that big step. And if anybody's ever taken a really big step in your life, whether you bought a car or you bought a house. I think I almost just threw up. Yeah. Almost. We're, talk- we're talking about it and I'm like, oh, God, I'm scared. I'm yeah. Excited. And that's one of the things actually we were kind of dealing with, uh, we were talking about yesterday, is that we have two different approaches about how this move is. Now, Jenny's being very logical, <laughs> which is every decision and worry that she has is actually based in reality. 
and I don't falter for that at all. I, on the other hand, um, I'm reliant solely on my awesomeness, which is probably not the best thing in the which, world. I'm not saying you're not awesome. I'm just saying that's really scary. No, and it is. <laughs> and, you know, the thing is, is it because uh, we were, um, I think we almost got in an argument two nights ago. And it, it was kind of really, uh, I was really frustrated because uh, luckily I'm old enough to know that if I'm really frustrated about something with anybody, chances are there's another angle to the situation that I'm not seeing right now. And if I could just see that, then I probably wouldn't be so pissed and I can actually talk about this situation. But we're looking, we're trying to find a place to live in Colorado. And Jenny went out on a scouting trip and she found a really, really awesome place. And I think initially when I saw the price of it, I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to cover that, you know, because I'm trying to think of worst case scenario. And that's kind of how uh, my family's always live. Like, what's the absolute least that we can live with? <laughs> what's the shittiest place that we could find that we could actually tolerate? And we'll start there. And the thing is, is we never actually move up to a nicer place. We just settle for a shitty place. But. When I saw that, I'm like, oh, okay, and, uh, Jenny said, like, I couldn't find anything else in the city. And I'm like, on my mind, I'm like, there has to be something else. So I'm searching through Craigslist, and I find a really, really, really cheap place that has, like, a short lease up until January. And I'm like, oh, okay, this will be pretty cool, I think. And I tell her about it, you know, and she's like, oh, okay. And I finally get in contact with a girl who we might we would have been leasing from, and I get her to send us some pictures and everything. And you were that 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 kind of touched a nerve and i'm like hey look at the pictures of this place because from what you, you told me it says you feel like everything that you did like you went out there for nothing if i was just going to go and find another another apartment you yeah. know which well in something that we have you know that i haven't seen i don't know where it is what you don't know if it's a scam you know i think it's and then it just I felt like you weren't taking into account a lot of things that I had figured out along the way in the search, like how big we need it, mm-hmm. our utilities included. Like, that's a huge thing. Like, okay, maybe it's cheaper, but if you add in all the stuff, mm-hmm. it's the same or more expensive for like half the square footage. Right. So, which it kind of ended up being that. Well, I think, yeah. I think, what was it? She said her electric bill was only like 20, 30 bucks a month or something. So I'm like, wow, which is unheard of if you live in Arizona. Yeah, but it was 500 square feet. Yeah, that That's was the thing. It was smaller than big... where we live now. Right. That's, you know what? <laughs> well, this is the thing, okay? And I understand that because you've lived in Arizona your whole life. And that's not a knock on everything. But apartments in Arizona are gigantic. Even the smallest apartment in Arizona is gigantic. If you go back to an old city, if you go, if you lived in some place like Boston or New York, when they had massive immigration from Europe and they try to get as many people in this big, uh, smallest space as possible, you would see. Like my apartment in New York was basically where you're sitting right now, or the back of the chair, corner off that whole section. That was my bedroom. Take about half of what the uh, of uh, what our bedroom is. That was the living room space. And I was like 800 a month or something. So it's kind of like I was used to living in small spaces. But I'm like, oh. Um, so I was thinking worst case scenario, ideally, right? But when I she sent the pictures, like after the conversation we had, and we're sending the pictures, and I saw where Jenny was coming from. I was like, 
yeah, I think we could definitely do better. All right, and I see what it is. The apartment that she has, it's you know that you have in mind, you know, seems pretty cool. Just um, either way, it was really, it was a symptom, I think, of of a deeper issue. Is why am I not panicking about all this? <laughs> yeah. And the truth is, is that I am panicking about it. But, uh, folks, if you've been a fan of the podcast, you'll know that I think it was episode eight with Margarita Germain. That was my mom. And she talks about the story of how she left all of her fa- friends and family behind in Mexico to move to the United States. And she didn't even know English. This kind of idea of adventure and not thinking things through, uh, that kind of runs in the family. Like my dad, like the first move that we ever made when I was a little baby was we were living in Washington State and we moved to Saudi Arabia. So my entire life, there's always been these big moves that we've always done. And in my mind, every time that it was always kind of, uh, I saw only the fun and the adventure side of it. The risk is, uh, you know, the, the challenge of it. Obviously, my parents took all that on their shoulders, but we always ended up being fine. So, I mean, it was a, it was a rough at first, but, but... there was, like, like a job that he was moving to. Sometimes. Usually what it was is that my dad would... Uh, he would leave for about a month, uh, go find the job, work his ass off as much overtime as he could so he could find a, find a place for us to live, and then he would send for, send for us. Like, every three years, my dad hated... He ended up always wanting to move every three years. And uh, I remember when we moved to Cottonwood... Uh, that my mom, she hated. I, she's like, all right, we're trying to find the place, or my my dad's driving us to the mobile home that we were going to be moving to, right? And it was in Verde Village, Unit Three in Cottonwood, Arizona. And we get off there, and there's the hill that we had to climb to get to our the mobile home that we were at was literally at a forty five degree angle, and it kind of swerved. And we went up to the top of this place, and it was a single wide trailer on the edge of this hill. And when the wind came, it actually rocked the whole thing. So, like, we stayed there for a while until we found, like, a bigger house and stuff. But it's kind of like, that's that's what I was raised on. We tough it out for a little bit, and then we moved to someplace better. And that's just kind of how, that's, that's how the Germains rolled, you know? So. I just, in my experience, when... Sorry, I got a dog butt in my face. Um, when I haven't planned things out well and uh-huh. just been like, screw it, like it, it ends badly and has put me in like financially bad positions that I've been in that made me file for bankruptcy. Right. So I, I think that we have to sort of mesh our philosophies together. Oh, totally. Um, but I, I just, excuse me. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm freaked out and uh <laughs> I'm really excited to go, mm-hmm. but you know, it's cold. We're going to need somewhere to live. Yeah. We have a bunch of crap we need to store somewhere. Um so it's just I think we have some other steps we need to take in the next couple weeks. Well, definitely one of them. Like this is this is why I'm glad that I've gotten in the habit of taking baby steps on every on a lot of things. Is it like obviously the place that we want to move into? 
Uh, they need to see some type of uh, proof of income. I don't have a job up there right now, and it's kind of hard to show how much money you made as a taxi driver because it doesn't look like I made anything. Well, we can show it, but that was here. Right. So up there is what they need. And so, you know, I've got resumes out, and I've got to hope to at least – if I can get at least one interview scheduled, then it would justify actually going – taking a trip or taking a day trip or two days to go to Denver, do the interview, and then fill out a shitload of applications while I'm there. Right. And then say, like, hey, man, can we interview today because I'm planning on moving here. I'm not going to be here next week, you know. And um, once I get that, it's kind of like, all right, cool, then I got a proof of income and then get the whole ball rolling. But until that happens, you know, there's – I have I have to accept that there's nothing else I can do but worry. And worry isn't going to be anything productive. I keep looking, and buy, you know, online and finding different jobs and filling applications stuff, which I've done. But other than that, you know, it's there's no use of you know just spinning my my heels and being like, ah! because if I did that, then I think that it would cause even more tension and more friction, and then we probably wouldn't want to go together, you know. <laughs> so, but, but then, but then, kind of being like blase about it and like yeah it's fine everything's going great and i'm like no it's not it's not done yet and it's been a bit hard because with the holidays my uh the volume at at my job has slowed down a bit so um please people go seek employment so i can (laughs) i'm hoping searches uh so yeah i mean we have that income but you know we need we need more because it's more and you know I do weeklies. I could try to work anywhere from 10 to 12 hours a day. I tried to do 14 last night. I just couldn't do it. I'm like, I want to go back home. I want to go to sleep. Uh, but, I mean, I think I think if we can have a backup plan of, you know, like a temporary a hotel room that has a kitchenette and, you know, things like that. I was just going to start mugging little old ladies. That's basically what my backup plan is. Not little old ladies. I yeah, mean, they're easier to push over. That's so wrong. I didn't say punch him. I just said push over. I'm trying to be humanitarian about this. He's still going to break a hip or something. If I push him, but not if I push him into snow or the grass or something. Like, I'm going to try to be a really considerate mugger is what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm the mugger who cares. So The caring mugger. If they can carry cash on them, that would be great. But, no, this is a, but all this stuff has really led up to like we've got to take this big huge risk and now it's time to take a big step I don't think I would want to do this every year I don't think I would want to do this all the time because I think that would be exhausting but you know this is it's time to leave Arizona Yes. it sucks because I'm starting to make so many new friends here among the comedy scene uh, My, it's been great to watch uh, my cousin's business grow and the videos that he's done you know, and occasionally I get to help him out with that. Uh, or, you know, when he asked me, he was like, hey, you know, they just basically I think he just wants to hang out for a little bit. So I was like, hey, can you hold this camera? And then I got to try, you know, to not bug the shit out of him while I'm doing that. But, you know, there's all these great things. My sister uh, is here and my niece is here. Uh, all of, You know, all of our family for the most part is here, but our future isn't here. Yeah. And that's the thing that sucks. It's kind of like, you know, I've had people tell me, well, you know, leaving isn't going to make everything better. And I'm like, yeah, I know. But, but neither is staying. Neither is staying because I've been staying and nothing changes. So it's just, mm-hmm. it's time to take everything I have here 
and put it in a new surrounding and see what happens. I'm not leaving anything. Or you, you know, know what? Sometimes like, to. maybe you gotta maybe see what happens. I wonder how I'm gonna change in this environment. You know, I wonder what's what I'm gonna do. Yeah. I wonder how things are gonna you know advance or regress or whatnot. Who knows? I but, think some of the weather is gonna be. I mean, besides the cold, some of the other things are going to be a bit beneficial for me physically. Yeah. Do you know that they have Aquafina bottled water on tap in, oh in Colorado? Oh, my gosh. The water is amazing. Yeah. And maybe not in Denver, but I think probably even there it's better than here. Probably. But, and then just, you know, I think being in the valley, the, the pressure changes with the weather we have uh, really affect my body in a negative way. Mm-hmm. So... I'll just wear a lot of extra clothes in the winter to keep, you know, stuff for arthritis. But for the rest of it, I think it'll be good. Except for stairs. They have stairs everywhere. Yeah, yeah. You can't go anywhere without stairs. Yeah, I gotta get like a knee brace or something like that. Get the leg working again. They work. They just... Luckily, you have a type of work that you can do from home, so you don't have to be, you know, being like Rocky and climbing up a thousand stairs every day. Yeah. <laughs> But that's where, you know, that's that's where we're at on this. And so this is the, that's the plan for the new year is that I'm making resolutions to keep writing and to hit as many open mics. I can't wait to hit the open mics in Denver. I think it's going to be great. It's going to be a different experience because, granted, it's not that I'm all that awesome now. I still, my material is still shoddy at best. But uh, I have material to, actual, to actually perform. But when you start off at, like, the same club, I mean, they saw you when you just started. So that first impression is is that you are shitty, <laughs> and it sucks. The guys who I actually talk to, they can see, you know, we can we watch each other, and we can see how we've improved, but, you know, for the most part, it, it's, a, it's, I don't know, it's a little rough. I'm actually going to try to get more involved with the comedy scene up there. I think I get an invites and stuff to go look at comedy shows and stuff all the time through Facebook, and I hate the fact that I'm not going to see them that I'm going to try to actually balance how much work I'm going to be doing with actually going to see these shows so that way I get to know more of the comedians. Networking is part of this business. And so is going out there and working out as much as you possibly can. And that's something I'm planning on doing. Uh, I would like to be actually on a showcase somewhere at some place, whether it's in Phoenix or in Denver within this year. I think that would be an awesome, an awesome time to go up, you know. That would be cool. At least to me, that's a milestone that I could say that I've actually reached. Uh, I want to be smarter about the food that I eat and uh, and the money that I make and how I spend it and save it, uh, you know, here as well as in Colorado. And, you know, I want to, I guess I just want to get more out of this existence. I've had a taste of actually making an advancement and uh, and progressing as a human being this this past year. I've had a taste for it. Now I want more of it. And that's what I plan on doing. So hopefully I will actually be able to track this advancement as well as the advancements of other artists throughout the Valley of the Sun as also well in the Denver area when we get up there. Now uh, I'm going to throw this little plug out there. If you guys think, oh, this is kind of a touchy story. If managed, if you managed to stay with this entire podcast, I appreciate that. And if you would like to help out in any way, uh, I always suggest this because I don't want to say, hey, just give us money because that's kind of shitty. But if you go to the disjointedpodcast.com and you click on the Amazon link, you have to clear your cookies first, but uh, clear your cookies on your web browser. Go to the disjointedpodcast.com, click on the Amazon link, and then shop as you would normally shop for anything else. 
every time you do that, Amazon's like nice enough to throw a little bit of that portion of that sales back our way. So uh, I have, there's great deals that are that are listed on the website. By all means, take a look at it. Shop. Help us out, please. No. Hey, and I've got <laughs> I've got shit to plug. Oh shit, I forgot. Yes, you do. All right, so uh, because we're moving to a place that's cold, I've been frantically crocheting scarves and hats and things like that and um i think some of them come out pretty cool so the infinity scarves are pretty awesome yeah i'm selling them um if you go to etsy and you look up jenny bug crochet j-e-n-n-i-e bug crochet c-r-o-c-h-e-t uh that's me i got some stuff on there i also i also have a business here uh i have to call what I do, public research and retrieval mm-hmm. for the Modern Investigator LLC. So if you need something looked up, let me know. We'll arrange something. That's real. Okay. So let's say, uh, man, uh, there's this dude who owes me money. He's been ducking me, but I don't know where he lives. But I know where his Facebook is. What, what, what Technically, for under public searches, what would you be able to do? Well, you can do like some reverse searches. There's a couple... Things that I can renew a membership for uh, to search them for, you know, a small fee. But it's hard to say. I mean, I don't I can't do skip tracing because that that requires a lot of databases that Mm. uh, people in the skip tracing industry have because it costs a lot of money. Mm. Um, But if there's a there's a long lost relative or or uh, or somebody from their past that they're trying to track down, would you be able to help out with that? Probably. I mean, it. now you're making me sound like I don't even know what I can do. <laughs> the thing is, uh, typically I've done background checks. However, right. I don't currently have my PI license. So mm. by law, I can only do public research and record retrieval mm. and the like. So I can search all the public records in Arizona mm-hmm. as far as criminal, civil backgrounds, um, and then... You know, I have some other resources that people just may not know about. So mm. you need to find out. You did a background check on me when we first started dating, didn't we? Or didn't um, you? It was a while afterwards. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think, I don't know, I, I lose track. That uh, was awesome, though. You're like, hey, so I noticed you got, no, she. I think it was a ticket or something. Was it like a. Yeah, there was an insurance, because uh, I didn't have insurance. Yeah. Uh, and I got pulled over once for not having insurance. So now the. But so let's say, ladies, if uh, you meet that special someone, but you're not sure if he's nuts, you want to know if he has any court cases pending or anything for the public database search. That's probably my biggest thing that I can do. Yes. So, um, is and he a lot psycho? of the stuff is... Is he nuts? A lot of the stuff is public record, but people just don't know where stuff is, and I do. Right. So if you want to help find stuff, I'll help you find stuff. So that is TMI Investigations? The Modern Investigator? Yeah. Um, my website totally isn't set up. But you can email me at Jenny, J-E-N-N-I-E, at themoderninvestigator.com. Ah, see? Just think TMI, The Modern Investigator. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, honestly, I think you can make it just a great living just on, like, doing uh, public uh, searches on, like, guys that girls want to date. Like... <laughs> He's really a nice guy. Here's, you know, such and such cash. Can you please take a look and see if he has any court cases? Yeah, right. yeah. After we because, move, I'm going to, you know, get my my uh, PA license for searching here. Uh-huh. But, you know, everything's just been kind of going to the move. Oh, so. yeah. 
But there's, yeah, I've but done that. But that's amazing. Like, if you found out, let's say you go through a public search and you found the guy has uh, three court, he has three cases or uh, that were pending or uh, three charges of domestic violence. I, uh, there was a guy that I met. And once I found out his last name and we established we were interested in each other, mm-hmm. I, I did a little a little search on him, found out he had uh, three kids by three different women. There were domestic violence charges pending. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, how about no? We're just not going to go there. Sometimes you need to know. Yeah. I know, guys, you're probably thinking, man, this is bullshit. Dude, you could do the exact same thing on this chick that you're interested in. Yeah. You're really interested, but you find out, you know what? She's got 15 collection cases on her. Four different repossessions and a couple of cases of shoplifting. But she's awesome in the sack. You can make that call at a informed decision whether or not you want to hang out with this person, casually date them, or commit yourself for the next couple of years. These things matter. You know what? It's it, it helps. You got to know. So the moderninvestigator.com If you look at it, I'll also put up this information on the show page, and you can also just look at my Facebook, and it'll say in a relationship with Jenny Walls, and you can get in contact with her there. There's ways. It's the internet. You're listening to this off the internet. Stop making excuses. I'm sorry, that was a little rough, but I mean it. All right. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, remember, like I said, go to the DisjointedPodcast.com and uh, click on the Amazon banner. It will really, really help out with everything on this move. And we appreciate it. We love you guys for listening. And for the Disjointed Podcast, I'm Dave Germain. I'm Jenny Walls. Have a great week. How do you?